You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Peyton, in your baptism, Jesus hands you over to all of the riches of his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. You now have the treasure of the righteousness of Christ, His holiness, His keeping the law in your place, His blood, which pays the ransom for all of your sins. You have salvation, eternal life. You are adopted into His family. You are given God's name. You are called the Son of the Heavenly Father, the brother and co-heir of Jesus and the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, that you, by His poverty, might become rich. This is a beautiful passage, a text of pure comfort for you, Peyton. For you and for all the Lord's baptized. For Jesus, your Jesus did not wrap his arms so tightly around the riches and glory that he had in heaven to keep it all to himself. The being the only begotten Son of God. The having the eternal begottenness of the Father. The the glory and the command of all of the angels. Jesus didn't hold these tightly, but rather he let all of these things go. He laid them aside and was born in poverty, lived a life of sorrow and temptation, and was at last abandoned to the darkness uh, and to sin and to wrath and to death for you, Peyton, and for all of you who are baptized. He let, Jesus let his riches fall to the side so that he could wrap his arms around you, so that he could have you as his prize and his treasure. Jesus calls you that, his treasure the thing that He desires to have most of all. Can you even imagine this love and this mercy? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. And this is a pretty good thing to think about on Stewardship Sunday. I guess it's not officially Stewardship Sunday. That comes in October sometime. I don't know when it really is. But this is the text that we should have on Stewardship Sunday. The ninth Sunday after Trinity, this, the hearing of the unjust steward, the parable that Jesus tells. It fits the theme best. This is, at first glance, a, a bit of a difficult passage. And, but it's difficult not maybe for the reason that we suspect, that Jesus tells this parable of a rich man who has a manager. And he finds out from someone that the manager was cheating. And so he goes uh, and calls the manager to him and says, Give an account of your management and you're fired. So this man, in desperation, because he's not strong enough to dig and he's too proud to beg, goes and calls the master's debtors to them and he changes their debt. How much do you owe? A hundred measures of oil? Quick, uh, sign the receipt and make it 50. How much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat? Quick, sign the thing and, and make it 80. This man knew that he's, uh, that he's about to be out of a job, so he's greasing the skids. <laughs> so when he's thrown out, he's going to have friends. He'll have a place to stay. Maybe even a few leads of where to find work. And here's the conclusion of the parable, the words of Jesus. 
The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, says Jesus, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Luke 16, verses 8 and 9. This condemnation is the part that wants to trip us up. It's, it's as if we read the text first and we think that Jesus is commending theft, but this certainly is not the case. Remember, Jesus is the one who gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Jesus is the one who wrote the command on the stone, and in your conscience and your heart you shall not steal. In fact, and we're going to have it in just a second as the text goes on, I'll read you those verses. Jesus is clearly getting after greed in the text, which is the breaking of the seventh commandment with your heart. This manager in the text, we can make say very clear, this manager in the text is a thief, he's a crook. But he's commended, not for his theft, but for his shrewdness. He is commended because he recognized that money is a tool and that he can use his possessions to win friends and influence people. <laughs> Here's what Jesus says in the next verses. This is Luke 16, 10 to 14. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, the text continues, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. The Pharisees who loved money knew that Jesus was getting after them. And we who love money should know that Jesus is getting after us. Money, says Luther, is the most common of idols, the most common of every false god, large catechism, first commandment. And the reason that money is the most common idol is because it has the allure of safety. We think that if we have enough money, then we will be safe and secure. And if we don't have enough money, that we'll die. So money comes with a built-in temptation, a built-in temptation to trust it. Now we know better, if we think about it, we know that money is here one day and gone the next. We know that nothing like this is guaranteed. But this temptation to put our trust in our money is strong. And I think, and you'll please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I think that this temptation gets stronger as you get older. And you have more and more responsibility handed over to you. And unless we resist this temptation, greed then gets a beachhead in our heart. Greed takes possession of our conscience. And we, and we stop even noticing our greed. And we stop even noticing our worry. And we stop noticing our covetousness. And our conscience becomes hardened to it. Just as any time our conscience is hardened, this is dangerous. So Jesus says, and these are incredibly strong words that Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money. Money then has a spiritual side, a spiritual danger. And the danger is this temptation to, 
This temptation to idolatry stands for all of us, for rich and poor and everyone in between. And rather than serving money and trusting money, the Christian is to recognize, says Jesus, that money is a tool. That wealth is a gift of God and should then be used to serve the neighbor. This is the point of the text, the point of the parable that Jesus gives us. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Use your money, says Jesus, for eternal things. You should provide a home for your family, but you should also invest in your eternal dwelling. You should provide daily bread for your neighbor, but you should also invest in the bread of life, in hearing the word of God. And this then is our understanding of Christian stewardship, which is very simple. People give their money to what they need and what they love, which means that Christians then give their money to what they need and what they love, that is, the gospel. And this is our shrewdness, that we give our wealth to support the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments the building of eternal things that begins already in this life. Now, I hope this is down to earth and simple, but I'd like to even be more so. A lot of times you'll hear stewardship sermons that say things like this. When you give money, you're not giving to the church, you're giving to God. And I'm not sure that this is helpful. When you give money, you are giving to the church. They don't need an elevator in heaven. Or an air conditioner. Or a preacher for that matter. (laughs) God has everything he needs. But your neighbor doesn't. And your offering goes to your neighbor, to your church. If you were to take a pie chart and just look at the percentage of where each dollar you give goes to the church, you could just divide it up and see. The biggest chunk goes to me. The next biggest, I think, goes to Excel Energy. (laughs) There's nothing unholy about this. The church, the preacher, the lights, our building, everything we do is handed over to the preaching of the gospel. And this is why we give. You give to God, not to the church. I don't think that's helpful. You give to the church. You also hear stewardship sermons where, where, where the, it's talk like the giving is not for our neighbor's benefit, but for our own benefit. And I'm not sure, again, if this is entirely helpful. I'm not sure if any of our good works should actually be for ourselves. They should be directed outward toward our neighbor. The same is true of the good work of giving to the church. It's your neighbor who benefits, not you, at least mostly. There is a way that the discipline of giving is an act of worship and is done in defiance to the devil. I don't know if you would know this, but we always have people calling the church or coming by the church offering to set up this thing where you can have a direct deposit. I I think some churches do it, and I don't think it's inherently sinful, but the idea is, you know, they sign people up, and and if you decide to give so much, and then it comes out of your bank account and is electronically transferred immediately to the church each month. And I mean, again, I don't think it's inherently sinful, but we, we and the elders have talked about it. We want to have the offering in the liturgy. We want to have the passing of the plates back and forth in the service. Because when we, when we do this, when we give uh, uh, to the church, we, we are sticking 
our thumb into the eye of the idol of money and saying, I worship God. I love the gospel more than I love you. But we're doing this again in service to the neighbor. You, by the way, the members of Hope Lutheran Church, should be commended for your generosity. Our congregation is an... Uh, incredibly blessed and has the opportunity to do any sort of number of things because of your faithful giving to the Lord's church. But we always want to understand that this act of worship is not so that God would smile upon you. It's not so that God would be proud of you. It's not, it's not because God somehow needs our help or needs our wealth no, the point of all of this is that Jesus has already given us everything. Himself and all the riches of heaven. He is the one who became poor so that we might be made rich. We might be given all the treasures of heaven. Eternal life and joy and peace. His blood, the ransom for all of our sins, all of these things. So Jesus, because He has given up everything, can say to us, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. At last, dear saints, we are brought to rejoice not in our own giving, not in our own riches, not in our own generosity, or we are not even despairing because of our own greed or our own covetousness or our own theft, but rather we rejoice that Jesus has used His riches, His wealth, His righteousness, and His life to make us His friend, to call us His own, to redeem us as His people, and to give to us the inheritance of eternal life. He gives us life, and His life is our riches, His bleeding is our wealth. His service to us is our hope and our comfort and our peace and at last our forgiveness. This is Jesus who was made poor so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www. 
www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.